So good morning. Good morning. Good morning. I don't know if y'all noticed it. I noticed that the beans are gone. They've done some harvesting, haven't they? I noticed they were out there last week getting ready to do it, and this week they apparently have done it. And harvesting is something we know about out here in the country, especially in the south. It's, when it's harvest time, you go out and you reap what you've sown earlier in the year, right? That's the phrase, you reap what you sow. That's the phrase that I try and carry in my heart um, for those who don't deal with farming or don't know much about country life, dealing with crops or anything like that, or even just a simple garden, it basically means what you do at one point will have an effect later that you're going to have to pay for one way or another, whether you're collecting it in a good way or you're dealing with it in a bad way. If you sow the wrong seeds in something, you're not going to get what you were wanting. If you, for some reason or another, throw out a bunch of seeds that's full of weeds, that's what's going to sprout up. So you want to make sure you're putting good seeds in the ground, seeds that you want, seeds that are going to bear fruit or bear vegetables or sprout flowers or whatever it is that you're sowing. If it's a flower bed or a vegetable garden or if you're trying to grow some fruit trees or vines or if you're trying to grow a massive crop that's going to actually bring you an income, you want to make sure what you're putting out in the earlier part of the year is what you're going to be sowing in the later part of the year. And the same thing's true in life and the way that you treat people and the way that you act in the world and around others is what you put out to other people is what you're going to receive. If you harbor bitterness or anger or hatred toward the people around you, that's the way the people around you are going to treat you. But if you show kindness and compassion and love and the things that God has asked us to do to the people around us and share the gospel with people, you're going to receive so much more. And it may not even be from the people that you're interacting with, but God will honor those actions. And you may not see it for a long, long time, but God will honor those actions. And Paul was trying to teach the people in Galatia this very same thing at the church in Galatia, is that the way you act is going to have a lot to do with what you receive. And the question is, are you honoring God in your actions? See, we as Christians should continue to do good things for the glory of God. Not for our own glory, not for selfish reasons. It's quite easy to do things that seem good because it makes you feel good at the moment or it gives you some other benefit. But let's be honest, how often do you go out and do good with no expectation of receiving anything from another human being? How often do you slip a little money in a homeless man's cup and just keep walking? How often have you provided a meal for somebody who is hungry without saying a, a single word to them? How often have you left groceries on someone's doorstep and no, no note to identify who you were? How often have you done stuff like that? See, we tend to not do that because we tend to want the recognition. But God wants those type of actions. Giving without expectation. 
because what we receive in return, what we get from that, sowed, that seed sowing at that point comes from God and not from others. He recognizes because he sees what we're doing. He sees our actions. So starting in verse 6 of chapter 6, Paul wrote, writes right here, the very first verse says, in uh, verse 6, says, let the one who has taught the word share all his good things with the teacher. That seems a little weird to be sharing the good things with the teacher when you try and think of the education system. I just learned all of this. I just got this. I taught, was taught the word. Let me share it with the teacher. The teacher knows. But the teacher they're talking about here is Jesus Christ. He is our teacher. And what we're sharing with him is the benefits we're receiving from being taught the word. And when we receive the word, we are receiving instruction from him. And when we share that word, we are sharing it with him. So don't just take the word of God and harbor it up for yourself and be like, ooh, yeah, this is great, I can live this and this is mine. Share it with people around you. Teach other people the word of God and they can share it with the teacher themselves also. And so Paul is telling us the importance that all of the good things that we learn, all the good things that we do, shouldn't be done for our own purposes, but for Him, to glorify Him. And over in verse 7 and verse 8, it says, Don't be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a person sows, he will also reap. Because the one who sows to his flesh will reap destruction from the flesh. But the one who sows to the Spirit will reap eternal life from the Spirit. He's telling them the very same thing I just told y'all. Give not for your own purposes, but for the purposes of glorifying God. When you sow those good seeds, when you do good deeds in and around your community and with people around you, don't do it with the expectation that you're going to receive something from it. Do it for the purpose of doing it. For God. For the glory of God. To honor God. So that even if they do know that you're the one who done it for them. And they never try to give you anything back. They know that's because you wouldn't take it even if they offered. Because they've probably offered it before. Hey, let me pay you back for that. No, don't, don't pay me back. I don't need you to pay me back. I don't want you to pay me back. I want you to pass it forward. There's a concept come out in the late 90s called pay it forward. And a lot of people tried it and it caught on and every now and then you'll see it spring back up. It's where you do a good deed for somebody or for three people. Something that they couldn't pay you back for. And the expectation is that they do the same for somebody else. Something that they can provide for somebody else that cannot be paid back for. Because Christ did that for us. He didn't pick three people. He picked the world. He paid the price for our sins on the cross at Calvary. Something we can't pay Him back for. So the least we can do is help the people around us. And when you pay that forward, you pay forward the love of Christ, there's no repayment from any other person. It's only repayment from God. He gives you glory in heaven for that action.
sharing the love of Christ, sharing the cost of salvation with other people, saying Christ died for you and it's a payment you can't repay. Accept it and pay it forward. And that's what Paul's trying to tell the people here is that what you do, don't do it for your flesh, but do it for the Spirit. Do it so that others can benefit it spiritually from it. So that they can have their souls renewed. C.S. Lewis once said, We are not a body with a soul. We are a soul with a body. See, our soul is who we are. Our soul is what we are. This body is just a vessel for us to exist in this lifetime. Because when this vessel wears out, our soul continues on. God is concerned with our souls. Where will they continue on now? And when you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you continue on with Him. And so, it's a good thing to share that with as many people as possible. That's what God wants. But Paul also warned them that it may get tiresome. The next couple of verses, verse 9, he says, Let us not get tired of doing good, for we will reap at the proper time if we don't give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us work for the good of all, especially for those who belong to the household of faith. He said just because you get them in to the church doesn't mean you don't you, you stop doing good for them. Keep doing good for them. Especially them. Keep them in the church. Keep them in the faith. Keep them in the fellowship of God. Continue to pray with them, to pray for them, to honor them. If they're down, lift them up. And even though it may seem like you're doing it all for nothing and there's no reward in sight and the end will never come and you're getting tired, don't give up. Because we will reap in His time. When His harvest is full and it's time to reap His harvest, we will get that. So don't give up. Never give up on that. So Paul ends his letter to the Galatians here in chapter 6 in verses 11 through 16. And I want to read through them and then I'm going to tell you a little bit about them. He actually carries on through 17 and 18, but I'm going to stop at 16 when I read this. It says, Look at what large letters I use as I write to you in my own handwriting. He's starting off by reminding them, look, I'm handwriting this letter. I am. I don't have somebody writing it for me. And I'm using large letters to get my point across. How many of you have ever sent a text in all caps? Yeah, you want to get your point across when you do that, right? You're kind of yelling at them a little bit. This is kind of what Paul's doing. says, those who want to make a good impression in the flesh are the ones who will compel you to be circumcised, but only to avoid being persecuted for the cross of Christ. For even the circumcised don't keep the law themselves, and yet they want you to be circumcised in order to boast about your flesh. 
But as for me, I will never boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. The world has been circumcised, uh, the world has been crucified to me through the cross, and I to the world. For both circumcision and uncircumcision mean nothing. What matters instead is a new creation. May peace come to all those who follow this standard, and mercy even to the Israel of God. What Paul's saying is to avoid doing good or following traditions for the sake of doing good or following traditions. That's one of the traps that this church and every church around us has fallen into from time to time, is that we get stuck in traditions for the sake of carrying on traditions. Every church in this world has done that at one point or another. And you try and institute some sort of change and there's resistance because it's not tradition. Christ paid the price for all the law that, has, that was before him. He fulfilled it. It's done. He created a new law with two simple rules. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and love your neighbor in the same manner as you love yourself. How simple. Yet we create traditions and rules and regulations and ideologies because we can't follow two simple rules. Just like those before us couldn't follow one rule, don't eat from a tree. And all this other you can eat from, just don't eat from that one tree. Couldn't follow that. So it created ten more rules. We couldn't follow that, so they created 600 and something rules, and they couldn't follow that. So God separated himself from the Israelites for 400 years of silence. And all they had to cling to was their traditions. And then Jesus came. And he flipped the script on them. The messenger was sent ahead of him and John the Baptist to proclaim the coming Messiah. And he recognized the Messiah the moment he baptized him. And then the Messiah flipped the script and literally flipped the tables in the temple because they were too stuck on their traditions. They weren't willing to listen to God. Paul saying, do good for the purpose of honoring God. Not for the purpose of doing good. Evil people who don't believe in God can do what seems good to the world. And they're looking to reap their own benefits to the flesh. Christians should do good. But what looks good to God so that they can reap the benefits to the Spirit. Not to the flesh. Break away from traditions that seem bogged down and too cumbersome to carry on and seem like it's too hard to do because it probably is. Too often we get asked different questions about dress codes or various other minor things when you really look at Scripture. that we think about it and we worry about it and we wonder about it 
But what it comes down to is God died for you. Accept him and teach that. Everything else, modesty, integrity, honesty, all of that comes after salvation. A bad person won't change on their own. They need Christ to do it. But if we put all the restrictions and regulations in front of them, they'll never set foot in the church. They'll never give in to Christ because they think they have to change first. And they don't. The change comes because you're new. Because you're different. And that's what Paul was telling them when he said that circumcision and uncircumcision means nothing. What matters instead is a new creation. You have to be a new creation. And the only way to be new is through Jesus Christ. When you give in to Jesus Christ, He makes you something different than what you were. And if people don't understand that message, don't get that message, they're going to think that all the regulations and traditions that are put forth by the church are what's holding them back from Jesus. But it's because they've received the wrong end of the message first. All of those things can come later. What matters is the new creation. What matters is giving in to Christ and accepting salvation. Then the person will start to change. Then the person will become something new. Not before. And so Paul was telling the Galatians, don't worry about what the church in Jerusalem is saying right now because that's not what's going to save you. What's going to save you is Jesus. What's going to save you is the Messiah. What's going to save you is belief in Him. Honor Him. And then you don't have to worry about nothing else because it's going to take care of itself in whatever way possible. And so Paul ends this letter. He says, from now on, in verse 17, he says, from now on, let no one cause me trouble because I bear, bear on my body the marks of Jesus. Brothers and sisters, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. So I'd like to leave that message right there with that same sentiment. Jesus died for us on the cross. And while we may not bear the physical marks on our body, we do have scars on our soul from the past that we've lived. And scars may heal, but they can still be seen by God. And He knows what past we've come from and what we have become. So even if we aren't up to the standards of whatever the church tells us, we know we are above the standards of where we were. And that means we are a new creation. And God is working on us. So trust in Jesus. Trust in Jesus that He will continue the work that He has begun in you. That you bear the marks that He bears. The lashes on the back. The nail scarred hands and feet. And the scars from the thorny crown. They're his burden. 
and that burden is even lighter than anything that we've ever carried. And he offers it in trade. Accept that trade. Accept salvation in Christ. And share that with the world. Not for your glory, but for his. So the Ask Chris to come and play and open up the altar to anyone who would give their life and soul over to Christ. With heads bowed and eyes closed, no one looking around. If you wish to come to the altar, whether it's just to say thank you to Christ for the price he paid, that's okay. If it's to offer your life to him, and accept the salvation that he has promised you, that's okay. It's just to pray for someone that you know is living a lost life, that you want to see saved, and you're asking God for the strength to carry his message to him. The altar is open. God honors our request when we come with open hearts.